Scotch Stories by Whiskey FM. Gemma, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. So um, at the moment, I am the global ambassador for Boveni and I have been for, I guess, about a year and a half now. It's an incredible job. It's been an amazing journey taking on the position as the global ambassador. Um, prior to that, I was actually East Coast ambassador in the US, um, based out of New York. So um, I did that for a few years. In my time in the States, I was traveling around. By the time I left, I realized I'd been to 30 states. Wow. And multiple cities within those states. And I read some statistic that the average American travels to 12 states. And I was like, wow. From having, when I moved to New York, I'd never been to the states before, apart from my childhood family holiday to Florida. So um, that was a huge adventure. Got a lot of great memories Mm. from traveling around America talking about whiskey lots of amazing people that I met Um, and then before that I worked at the distillery so I was actually um, a tour guide at Glenfiddich um, and I worked across Glenfiddich and Balvenie Mm -hmm. so I was there for a few years so I've worked for across Balvenie now for around six years in total amazing and whereabouts in New York were you based were you right I lived in Brooklyn so I live quite close to, kind of in Park Slope area, I live quite close to Prospect Park. And have you been back since? Um, I went back last Christmas, um, not for Christmas, but just before. Um, but that's the only time I've not made it back to the States this year. And so you started as East Coast Ambassador, mm-hmm. and now you're the Global Brand Ambassador. Mm-hmm. So does that mean you literally do everywhere apart from the UK, or what does that mean? Or literally whole globe yeah I really struggle to describe what my job is now actually (laughs) because I work across so many different touch points of Balvenie so my job I'm really closely linked to connect to the distillery again so that has been amazing moving back home and working a lot more with the team up there so we have three ambassadors based um, in Speyside who are at Balvenie Distillery if you come and visit us it's either David Charlie or James who will take you around So I work quite closely with them, lots of time up there. Um, I work very closely with their craftsmen up at the distillery too. And then um, being based in Glasgow, I'm quite close to Bells Hill. So we have our whiskey stocks team out there. So I'm heading there tomorrow actually to go out and nose and taste a few of our new whiskies that are in development. That'll be launched next year in 2021. Um, And then also um, I work very closely with our global marketing team, obviously, who are based down in London in Richmond. Um, and our ambassadors across the world so we've got um, with a full team we are 16 ambassadors around the globe with Balvenie including the distillery guys um, so I support them training mentoring for the ambassador team um, support them with events and launches and then also our markets where we don't have an ambassador so you look after those markets and mm-hmm. when you say you train do you go out and see all of these ambassadors, make sure they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what you're doing or are you bringing them all back to the UK and training them here? So a bit of both. Um, every year we are so lucky to get together. We have a, an annual workshop. We bring the entire team from around the world um, together for training. Typically we'll go somewhere inspiring. This year, because we've launched the Above Any Stories, which hopefully we can chat a little bit about yes. later, um, we decided to bring the team back to Scotland. So we spent a few days in London, came up to Scotland and spent some time at the distillery chatting and working with the craftsmen. Um, 
the year before that, we went to um, Seattle and, and we also went to Victoria Whiskey Festival together as a team. So visiting distilleries and amazing to bring our entire team. So that was Sam Simmons, who's our previous global ambassador. Um, Sam, who took us all to Victoria to the whiskey festival and imagine and a whole team of ambassadors from around the world at one whiskey festival Mad. was like above any takeover. Um, and then the year before that, we went to Japan um, to explore distilleries there, which was amazing. Um, next year, we're planning to take the team to Taiwan. Oh, wow. So Taiwan is a really huge um, market for above any. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we're hoping to go out there and be really inspired by our team and some of the work they've done there. And we also, our ambassador in Taiwan is um, Daniel Shen, who's been with Balvenie now for over 10 years um, as an ambassador. He's keeper of the quake and he's just such an inspirational person. So He'll probably love so, everyone coming to him. Uh-huh. I assume he spends quite a lot of time going out but it would be really nice for him to show you around. Yeah, Taiwan. definitely. What's the capital city? Or? Taipei. Taipei, okay. How, and I of can... course, we'll go and visit Kavalan as well. Yes. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. But so that's basically, we do that every year and it's a time for us to get together and um, just discuss being above any ambassador. And obviously it's interesting. We have quite a diverse team. There's some who've been on the brand for a long time and been working as ambassador for quite some time, like Daniel. And then we have um, a few new recruits. So we have Naomi Leslie in the States who um, replaced me when I left East Coast US. And then we have a new ambassador for China this year, a new ambassador for Southeast Asia, who's from Speyside actually, he's from Kregelki, um, James. So it's nice for the everyone to get together to share and inspire, share information and inspire each other. Um, and then, yeah, this year I've spent quite a bit of time with Jawi in China. Um, and James in Southeast Asia and hosted inductions and trainings for them at the distillery as well. So, Gosh, it's so varied what you do. Mm-hmm. What do you love most about your job? The thing I love most about my job is the people. So I'm actually really motivated by the people I work with, but whether that's at the distillery or the ambassador team or the people that I meet who just love whiskey out there in the world. So that is what inspires my number one inspiration in the job, for sure. Are you good at remembering names? Mm-hmm. That you must meet a lot of people. I'd say, okay, I, I'm definitely good at remembering <laughs> names. I'm not like, <clears throat> and, but it's something I have to work, I've worked at. Yeah. Because I've realised, you know, it, if you can remember somebody's name, it really changes it. I mean, you don't, mm-hmm. yeah, it's quite impactful. And I, I try like, so when someone tells me their name, and especially if it's a unique name, I'll try and spell it or visualise it. So, you know, you'll say, hi, Jabba, my name's Kate. I'll be like, Kate, oh, is that Kate with a K or a C? And then if you say, yeah. oh, it's Kate with a K, then I'm like, okay, then then your name will stick in my head. It's gone in. So. I'm always looking association. for Faces, are you good at faces as well? Or? Yeah, I, uh, that's a harder one. Mm-hmm. I think I'm probably better at remembering names than faces, but faces, when you see so many people, and especially at whiskey festivals, things so, so, and also in a masterclass or a tasting quite often I mean you're not really processing every single person's face but they'll remember you mm-hmm. so that I find really difficult so when did you start drinking whiskey I would say so I started drinking whiskey as I mean part of this role and when I started to really work within whiskey um, at the distillery that's when I developed an appreciation for the drink before that I wouldn't have called myself a whiskey drinker like 
I would have whiskey with my family at New Year or um, when I was at uni, I worked in a bar um, in Glasgow, which, you know, I was quite interested in whiskey then. And and obviously when people would ask for it, it intrigued me. But um, one of my strongest memories is the first whiskey I ever, the first single malt that I ever really remember having. So when I was 18, it was my first summer from uni. I worked at um, a salmon fishing estate called Grimmerstra. It's on the Isle of Lewis, where I grew up. And I'd been out fishing, and it was the first time one of my friends taught me how to fly fish. It's the first time I'd been out fly fishing. And we were out on a little boat on the loch. And um, basically within like three, four casts, I caught and hooked a salmon. And I didn't realise the significance of this at the time, because people had paid a lot of money and been out there fishing all day and had caught nothing and I hooked this like beautiful silver glinting salmon that was around 10 pounds we pulled it out the river kissed it on the head and we put it back um to go and spawn and continue its journey up upstream um and my friend had a hip flask which was actually filled with some balveni and the two of us had a wee swig from the hip flask to celebrate and everyone at that estate, they, they drank Balveni. And so it always kind of really stuck in my memory and like seeing the bottle um, in my summers. I worked four summers there actually for Muni. Um, and the bottle and the packaging, like seeing was so distinct to me. And that was like very memorable. That's the first whiskey that I ever kind of really remember having and enjoying. And it was sort of linked to not a love for whiskey, but the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely and then I started in um, January 2014 I moved to Speyside um, I'd moved to Speyside just the year before and I started working at the Glenfiddich Distillery so I studied Russian at Glasgow University and really it was my Russian that got me into the distillery um, I was keen to start using my languages a bit more it'd been a couple of years since I'd graduated and we had obviously visitors from all around the world come into the distillery um, I also um, speak some Czech and some Polish, some French and German. So it was really nice to be at the distillery and using languages. And it was people and languages that got me into that, not so much whiskey. But the more that I started to learn and the more that I started to discover, I just became entrenched in it. And then found myself in my holidays or my days off in Speyside, I would go and visit other distilleries. Um, myself and one of my friends who worked at Glenfarclas at the time, um, we actually travelled to Isla on one of our holidays and um, spent a whole week cycling and camping in Isla. Amazing. Um, very memorable. We had It was August, actually August 2015, and we had some beautiful weather and we had some torrential rain. <laughs> I'll never forget, we cycled from, we went to Ardbeg, we had to cycle back to Port Ellen in, like, essentially a thunderstorm. <laughs> we were drenched by the time we got back. But... Um, yeah, I really. It worth it, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so I really, um, I really fell in love with the process and the history and everything to do with whiskey. Then, who have you found most inspiring? I'm sure you've met so many people, and I know as well at the Balvenie you've got an incredible gang of really brill whiskey people. Mm-hmm. But if you could choose one person that you've said, yeah, they have particularly shaped what I'm doing now and the way that I think about whiskey, the way that I talk about whiskey, who would it be? This is a hard question. I've, there's so many people, I guess, like flashing through my head I, from like 
Sam, our previous global ambassador, he was a great mentor. And then um, some of my mentors in the States and people that I worked with out there. Um, and quite an easy go-to is the distillery team. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody I find incredibly inspiring this year has been... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with someone at the distillery. Love it, yeah. Is um, Robbie Gormley, who was our maltman at Balvenie, and Robbie worked with us for over forty years. He spent twenty seven years in the malt barns, um, and he basically headed up the the team of maltmen. And if you work sort of anywhere in the distillery, um, like there's still men up at Glenfiddich today who trained under Robbie in the Maltons back in back in the nineties and. Um, you basically started in the Maltons and then you would go on to work in another part of production from there but the foundation is Malton right so everyone sort of starts there and does a wee stint in the Maltons before they go on and so Robbie's trained a lot of the team so he is a really respected mentor Um, he's also like a man of ideas and he has worked being very creative in some of the things that um, some of the whiskies that we've made so for example, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had quite a few years of experiments at Bovenny where um, the team really pushed, the distillery team really pushed to experiment at the point of distillation and starting with malting. So Robbie was there conducting these experiments and processing um, processing our malt in loads of different ways. Um, and then he's also very creative and releasing the stories range with Bovenny this year, there's a lot of things that have come out from Robbie that have been very su- surprising because Robbie actually, he, before he worked at Bovenny, he was in the Navy and he's got, you know, tattoos and he's quite actually quite like a quiet, shy guy. Um, but you, I guess initial appearances, you wouldn't think that he was creative like he is, but he's a poet and he's an artist. Mm-hmm. And he um, he wrote he wrote songs and poems during his time at Bovenny. And when he retired, he had to... Um, make a speech at his retirement party and everyone was really sad to see him go Mm. and so Robbie didn't want to make a speech in front of everyone so he decided to write a poem so in his last few night shifts in the barns he composed a poem in his head that he read out and recited well that he recited on his last day and during his retirement party I've actually memorized the poem um and I've been so touched and moved by it this year it's called my last night shift um um yeah, I guess. Now. Yeah, I can. I can recite it for That'd you. That'd be lovely. So, <clears throat> okay. I'll give you a, a little bit of the backstory to yes. the poem as well. Yeah. We have a ghost at Balvenie. <laughs> She's called the Green Lady, mm. and no one that I've met at the facility has actually seen her, but everyone's heard her, and they all talk about her, and we don't know specifically where she comes from, but you know the stones that our malt built or um the maltons are built from are quite ancient. So Balvenny distillery was actually built in um new Balvenny Castle. And when we founded the distillery when William Grant founded the distillery in eighteen ninety two, we had this new Balvenny Castle that stood there, which had been derelict for about a hundred years, but it was built in seventeen twenty four. The stones of that castle were brought there by the Duke of Fife, who had got them from Ochendoon Castle, which is a fifteenth century castle. And those same stones were used in 1929 to build our floor maltons. Now, 
the team believed that with those stones came a ghost and her name is the green lady and if you work a night shift at Boveni, so Robbie, back in the day he would have worked from 11pm till 7am alone it's quite scary in actually. the floor Maltons. Yeah. yeah so he spent years listening to the green lady shuffling feet above him um, and being haunted by her so the poem's kind of a tribute to the green lady what makes her green? <clears throat> no idea no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear she's just name. green Kate <laughs> No one's seen her, so they don't know. They they don't know. <laughs> no one that I've spoken to at the facility has seen her. No went on a bit of a journey this year. I asked everybody, yeah. have you seen the Green Lady? Tell me your Green Lady story. Uh-huh. They've all got stories of hearing her, but no stories of actually her. seeing her. So she could be green. She, she could, could be green. Be Just, we don't know who named her the Green Lady. <laughs> I love it. That story is gone. It's lost in history. <laughs> Just have to make it up. Well, <laughs> that's the beauty of storytelling. You can make a lot of things up. <laughs> Okay, so the poem's called My Last Night Shift, and it goes like this. I was working away with the radio on, singing along to a well-kent song, throwing down my very last steep when I heard the sound of shuffling feet. Coming bend the loft was the green lady, and on her shoulder, the elusive malt monkey. Well, she could see that she gave me quite a scare as she slowly came closer and sat down on the stair and Monkey fickered about and played with her hair. She started to speak in a voice so low, had to go turn off the radio. (laughs) Robbie, she said, we've watched over you all these years, throwing down steeps and pulling out flares, teaching others how to use a shield. For a while, there was a quine as well. Telling stories about us too, to lots of visitors, and even to film crews. Robbie, it's time for us to disappear, but we'll be back another year. As they walked off, Monkey looked back for one last peek, and I carried on, throwing down my steep. It's a night that'll always bide with me, my very last night shift at the Balvenny. Oh, well done. That's amazing. <laughs> and he just came up. Yeah, he, he wrote it. He composed it in his head as he was doing his last night shifts. He said he was just thinking of the lines. But he's not... Robbie did it... He didn't just write this poem. He wrote, He's written quite a few different songs. And he wrote a song that... Actually, he said he would never sing it for me. But I managed him? to get him to sing it for me after a couple of Portwoods <laughs> at the distillery in the summer. And um, it's about the, um, in 1979, they stopped the dramming. So, you know, like, prior to that, years of the dramming, where if you turned up to the distillery at work, um, you'd queue up at the distillery manager's office with your cup. When you got to the front of the queue, the distillery manager would fill your cup with Cledic, with new makeup Mm -hmm. of any. And so he wrote a song about the Cledic running dry in 1979. It's a bad day. It's a bad day. So he... He sounds utterly creative. Mm. And I think what I like is, what I find so inspirational about Robbie is that like unexpected nature of how he's he's creative. He's um, he's also very hardworking. He's, you know, it's not easy. We we call the Balvenie, the Maltings the Balvenie gym. You know, it's hard physical work. And then also he's an incredible mentor and respected by so many people across the facility who are working there today, who he trained back in the day so it must be so satisfying for him to see how the brand is 
evolving and seeing all these you know, your ambassadorial team is very um, mixed you've got all sorts of people mm-hmm. involved in it he must just be so proud of what he's done and seeing you know the ballet go from strength to strength across the globe as well definitely I think what's so inspiring about Balveni and the distillery and the ambassador team is really that connection back to the distillery and I think I feel like our ambassador team consider themselves not brand ambassadors because actually Balveni it's a distillery not brand it's a distillery and everything that we do and we talk about it's rooted back in the distillery and the people there and there's people who you know like Robbie who've dedicated decades of their life and you know not just Robbie but we have our coppersmith Dennis McBain who's worked with us since 1958 and I mean, Dennis has such epic stories to tell. He is one of the best storytellers. And, um, you know, there's many times we've brought people to the facility and Dennis will host them and um, come and chat about things that he's seen and done over the years. And so actually some of my favourite stories are Dennis stories and come from Dennis. And we have like our mashman, Brian, who was a mashman for 50 years. And um, then... Not to mention David, mm. David Stewart, who's now this year has been his 57th year Just with us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really amazing. And I feel so privileged to be able to work with this team. And Yeah. You get to travel a lot with your job. Mm-hmm. Which country do you feel enjoys whiskey most that you've been to? Where it always gets the warmest reception? Ah. Uh. Good, good question I think like what I what I love is how whiskey connects people across the world but yet people enjoy it in such different ways and I think for me I get really I, I, one of my pet peeves is when someone is like oh you can't drink whiskey this way you can't add ice to your whiskey you can't add water to your whiskey if you mix it up in a cocktail that is sacrilege but actually drinking culture across the world is so different and I think like the being the being a, being a global ambassador like makes me kind of see how open minded we all should be within the whiskey industry because there's so many different ways to enjoy it and um, yeah I think definitely receptions are different across the world. I feel like this year I went to India for the first time um, to talk about Bhavani and I've never been so energized and also so exhausted mm. by a trip. And it was like constant simulation from when I left my hotel room in the morning to when I came back at night. But everyone was so excited to hear stories about whiskey and to share their stories about whiskey. Um, I really find that interesting. Is it a fairly new market in India? Or have they been Balvenie drinkers for a long Oh, Balvenie is so tiny in India. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, it's it's not a huge focus for us, but it's, I was there more um, to work with. Um, there's quite a lot of... There's a burgeoning whiskey industry in India, and I mean, I guess they joke that there's a lot of fraudulent whiskey made in India. India's the number one producer of whiskey in the world. Is it really? And there's a huge amount of whiskey consumed in India. Yeah. So, um, and there's a lot of great uh, whiskey clubs and societies and some really great bars cropping up in India. Um, so we went to some great bars in Delhi and Mumbai and Bangalore. Yeah, I just would love to go. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. How much freedom do you get 
planning your travel schedule? Do you do you plan what you do? Does your does the marketing team plan what you do? It's definitely a collaborative effort because I'm only one person and I wish I could be everywhere, but we definitely have to focus. So I guess we have some new markets for above any. We're kind of at the beginning of the year, we'd say as a team, right? I It's important that I go and support them. Um, and then when you talk about freedom, if I think, right, this is going to be a really inspirational trip for me to go on then can do it so for example this year we have an incredibly talented ambassador in Canada her name is Jamie Johnson um, and Jamie put together a trip to Newfoundland because Newfoundland is really like the heart home of storytelling in Canada and so then Jamie had sort of pitched to me and said hey Gemma I'd love you to come along on this trip Um, I'm taking a group of media to Um, St John's to basically go on this journey of storytelling and to launch the Balvenie Stories range in Canada so um, yeah I went I was so lucky to be able to go and support her on this trip Um, and I find it incredible the culture of storytelling there and just everyone that we met were such great storytellers from one afternoon we went out on a boat and the skipper of the boat he was like let me tell you stories from the sea and he was talking about this one time when he saw a giant squid from the boat and um yeah it was it was really cool it's really inspiring your job sounds incredible sounds absolutely incredible but i'm sure there are bits about it which are more challenging Mm. what would you say you find do you love the traveling do you find it tiring do you i really love traveling knowing a lot of ambassadors and people who travel um, a lot of people would say constantly being in airports and flying and being in hotel rooms like it can be quite lonely um, it can be exhausting but I like, I find it sort of balances out because we meet so many people and when you're constantly surrounded by people in various like events and um, I find like when I'm travelling I like I have a lot of time to myself and I like the I love getting on a flight and being on a flight for 10 12 hours and thinking wow okay I can read what I want I can watch some great movies it's like time for me that I wouldn't even necessarily take at home I wouldn't say oh I'm gonna spend 10 hours reading a book yeah I'd be at home thinking oh I've got this to do I've got that to do but I exactly but I love being on a flight and having that freedom to just be and yeah so I don't find it lonely I don't find it exhausting yeah there's moments when you have like a a 6am 7am flight that I'm not a morning person so (laughs) that is a real struggle Mm -hmm. for me um but I do really enjoy the travel and I enjoy not just traveling to new places but the actual traveling the journey yes Mm. I love it the last time I flew to the states I just was so knackered and I thought the Mm. second I get on that plane I'm gonna sleep. And I, I just couldn't wait. I'll be looked after by the hostess. Mm-hmm. I'll snooze, and it was lovely. So I, I totally agree. That's not a negative side of it. Mm-mm. What's your best on the road story, or what is the strangest experience you've had since you've been? Oh, <laughs> okay. So Kate, I had the funniest experience this year that I will never forget. It'll stay with me my whole life. <laughs> um. I was in Korea in, when was it, June? 
with Ian McDonald, who's our head cooper. And Ian actually just celebrated 50 years with Bob Annie this year. So he joined in 1969 as an apprentice um, and is now our head cooper after 50 years. Well, no, he's been our head cooper for many years, but he's just celebrated his 50th anniversary with Bob Annie. And um, so Ian and I were in Korea together and we did a little distillery pop-up. So the team there um, did an amazing job of bringing the distillery to life and had thousands of people come over a few weeks. But we were there for five days and Ian was doing Cooper and dem- demonstrations and I was hosting tastings and like little distillery tours through this distillery pop-up. And um, there is a bar owner there, his name is Rocky. And he owns several different bars across the city. And I'd actually first met him as a tour guide at the distillery. And I took him took him around years ago. And so coming to Korea, Rocky had said, oh, I'm going to take you guys out. And so one day I was told to be standing outside my hotel at 8pm. And the next minute, Rocky and Ian pulled up on Rocky's motorbike and he had a little sidecar so Rocky is riding the bike he's got Ian in his sidecar Ian gets out the sidecar and hops on the back with Rocky I get in the sidecar (laughs) and Rocky takes us on a tour of Seoul on his motorbike and I mean this is like a whirlwind whirlwind night tour on the bike and he stops at his favourite bars and has us takes us in introduces us to the team, we have a drink and then we finish in one of his bars it's a Monday night, his bar was closed where he orders his favourite fried chicken and makes us <laughs> cocktails and it was just a really amazing experience, it's it was so real. incredible like travelling around on this bike with Ian Did um, you feel safe in the sidecar? No, <laughs> not when we were hurtling around some corners and some really like narrow cobbled streets and the light was incredible and there was a big full moon hanging low in the sky and yeah I'll never forget it it was amazing Ian and I have reminisced about it a few times since (laughs) thought that that actually happened I have some great photos of the three of us on the bike (laughs) was Rocky having a drink too no no that was good absolutely not then I would know I would no way would I get back on that bike um no and that was I guess like incredible of him such an amazing host and such a memorable character um he really just wanted to show us his Mm. city and his soul i once um quite a few times when i was in the states i met people who i had hosted at the facility um i did a whiskey tasting actually for a group in new jersey because the founder of the whiskey club i did the tasting for i had actually met at the distillery um and he saw that I'd moved to the States and he reached out to me and I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to come and do a tasting for the club. So it was so nice. There's been quite a few things that have happened like that. And um, I love that the distillery, you know, it's home to people coming to visit from all over the world. And now being on the other side, like actually taking the distillery to people around the world who can't necessarily come and visit. I like, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to do that. And with social media as well, mm. you you become the personification or embodiment of Bob Any to a certain extent. So people can follow you on Instagram. Is it mainly through mm-hmm. Instagram? And they can actually... Yeah, mainly. I guess mainly through Instagram. And I think I really try and um, when I'm at the distillery, share things that are going on up there, um, so people can connect with that. Which is 
it's somehow more grabs you more when you actually see the people behind the whiskey and behind the distillery mm-hmm. or in your case I suppose in front of it a lot of the time mm-hmm. it's really nice for people to connect to you in that way it's quite a lot of pressure I would assume as well because you have lots of people clamoring for your attention like I said I guess my motivation is really the people in this industry and our whiskey community so yeah that's really rewarding for me <laughs>